give a good hand to our worship singers, the band, tech, all that goes with it. In order for everything to move in coordination, there's a, a room full of people up uh, in the tech booths upstairs that gets it out to the online and what goes on here in the screens and to make it work. So they're all working very, very hard. So turn your eyes upon Jesus. You've heard me say this before, what I uh, believe the Lord gave me as the definition of conviction. And you've heard me say it is the love of God that chooses to initiate a need in your life that God wants to fix. And I used to be afraid of conviction. I used to think, well, conviction, man, conviction. And every time I would get convicted as a young person and think, man, I'm going to hit the altar again. Boy, because I'm, I'm guilty there. But I found out that conviction is not our enemy. When in prayer, the Lord gave me the definition of, of conviction, I thought, well, it's the love of God initiated by the Holy Spirit that God loves me enough to identify something in my life he wants to fix. So if I humble myself and say, have at it, then I know that God is, God is going to meet that need. And we believe in sanctification, gradual sanctification, that we get a little more sanctified as the days go on. And by the grace of God, God will implant the power of his Holy Spirit in us. Now, the message today is don't lose godly focus. And I want to share with you, and we're going to talk about one particular person. But before I, I say that, I want to settle this, that God's desire is to bless you and me beyond anything that we could imagine with abundance. You believe that? Say amen. How many of you have been blessed? May I see your hand? We have been blessed. That blessing is the favor of the Lord. And when you know God did something, when you know that that favor came, you be sure and you thank God and give him praise right then and right there. And we know that it is God's will to bless us and not harm us. We've heard Jeremiah 29, 11 over and over again. And then in Malachi, the third chapter, verse number 10, he said he'll give us blessing as we are obedient in our walk with God, in our giving of our talents, our time, and the funds with which God gives us. He said, I'll give you blessing that you can't contain it. You won't have a reservoir that's big enough to be able to do what I need to do. And he said, get ready for that kind of blessing. But we know that David... David, what a wonderful person. You can look at David and the mistake. He made a mistake, but he repented and God moved. But here's something else that we all love to talk about in Psalms 23. Listen to David. He says, hey, you anoint my head with oil. God, I have a holy anointing on my life. My cup runs over. He also says, goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. And he said, I will dwell in the house and in the will of God forever. And that's a praise statement, not for his future. That was a praise statement for his here. And now, Lord, you anoint my head with oil. You give me your favor. And we know that David was that person who enjoyed fellowship with God. 
Now, if the blessings of God are going to be yours, favor's going to be consistent in your life, you're going to have to learn to have what I call for the message today, absolute focus. In other words, don't turn to the right or to the left, but look straight ahead. Absolute focus upon the things that you desire from God. And so to have focus means that in your behavior, in your life, in your vocabulary, you say, hey, I'm focusing on God. I want to be the man or the woman that God wants me to be. Now, does that mean you never fall off the wagon? Sure. We know that you hit a ditch and go, but hey, recover, get up, and refocus again. So here's what happened to Solomon, anointed by God to lead after his father David, gifted a kingdom with everything that he needed. I mean, set up for success purposely. And God moved and anointed him. But he made a mistake, and he did not learn from the mistake, and it was disobedient and stubborn toward keeping God in focus. Why was that? If you're going to remain focused, you must stay in a position of strength. Say that with me, stay in a position of strength. Your family, your personal life, 1 Kings 11, 2, they were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, say nevertheless, nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. Solomon, that example, the son of David, a chosen leader, was a, a man of gifted wisdom. And in our text, he had been leading now for some 23 years. And it reveals the challenges of the downfall of Solomon's stubbornness and not listening to God. If you and I are in the environment that is against us, there is an anti-Christ environment out there that doesn't like you as a believer, doesn't like the church, doesn't like the Gideons, doesn't like Christianity. We'll water it down with everything that he's got. If you and I are going to make an impact in that kind of environment, we're going to have to remain steadfast and focused on our relationship with God. And that means in every area of your life. To be focused means is to bring into transparent perfection. I see you. I'm getting clear. I was at the eye doctor, eye doctor the other day. They put the deal before you and said, all right, try this. This is this clearer than this. And it flips, okay? Number one or number two. All right, looks good. Two. All right, how about this? Number one or number two? They look the same to me. Okay. Now, how about number one? Or number two, two. All right, try it now. Is it number one or number two? I said two. I think you're showing me the same one every time. No, I'm not. I'm not, Pastor. They're different. He did this eye. Number one or number two? We did it all over again. What was he trying to do? He's trying to determine, trying to determine the strength of the glasses that I may need. I, I don't wear glasses today. I've implanted lenses in my eyes, but they're getting a little weaker. And I know because some people, to me, are looking thinner. 
and they're looking younger. And so I thought, God, that cannot be. I need glasses of some kind to straighten this out. One or two. He's endeavoring to get me completely focused. Now, this is what God said to Solomon. All right, Solomon, I know what your potential giant is going to be. I know what it is. He said, now I'm telling you, don't intermarry with the women from other countries or other nations. Don't do that. And he said, well, why? I mean, have you noticed that the Hittites have some absolutely beautiful women over there? God said, I know. And the Midianites, yeah, they have, they have some absolutely beautiful women. Solomon said, well, in my world, I can have more than one wife. He was a nut. Any man who thinks he can manage or lead or love more than one woman at a time has lost their mind. Put that on the tape. Solomon said, wow, why God? All that beauty. The Lord said, I'll tell you what will happen. They will turn your focus away from me. Your father raised you to focus on God. I gave you a perfect kingdom with everything that you need and beyond. And I'm telling you, they will turn your focus away from me. Pay attention. Pay attention, okay? You see, friend, he was the king of God's people, God's nation. Let me say to you men, don't shortchange the kingdom God has given you. As the head in spiritual terms of your family, keep your focus on God. Those behind you, living with you, working with you, they need to know who Jesus is by the way you lead as a father and as a husband. Understand, mom, together parents, leading and loving kids, over that kingdom to teach them to adore Almighty God. Look out for the strongholds of the enemy. And so we know that he had an environment and he also had boundaries that God set. You don't go out there, find women to marry. Don't do it. You see, boundaries are set. For example, the, the, the plant we call the azalea, it has to have some degree of shade. The palm tree has to have sand or filtered soil. Um, McDonald's has to stick with what got them to where they are, and that's the hamburger. I got the worst hamburger from McDonald's I've ever gotten the other night. I was tired, I was weary, and when I opened it up, I thought, Lord, how I eat in the car more meals than I do at my own table. Because I need to go places. I said, I'm not putting up with this. I'm going to take this back in there and I'm going to slam it down on that counter and I'm going to watch it bounce. And I'm going to say, when it gets through bouncing here, you, you, you don't have any quality control whatsoever. Here, here it is. Now, 
the beautiful thing about it is I couldn't do that because I have boundaries. They know me there. Well, what if you were where they don't know you, Pastor? Boy, that's big temptation. But Sharon said, She is the Holy Spirit. Don't do it, but I want to. Boundaries that are there. You see, when you drift into an environment outside your boundary, you drift out to a boundary, a place where you're inexperienced. The devil will target you. When you get out there and you're away and not focused on God and you have no designated purpose, you're going to get hit. When you fail to have a covering, that umbrella of spiritual covering over you, when you're willing to risk your foundation for the existence of, of future success, you see, here's what will happen. Prepare the enemy of your soul when you're out the boundary, out from under the umbrella to come and get you with everything that he has within him. And so we know Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. In other words, don't get out in the boundary. Don't say, well, I'm going to the party. I know they're going to be drinking and carousing around and a whole lot of other stuff. Let me tell you something. You don't belong there. Let me say it again. You don't belong there. I don't agree with you, preacher. You just keep it up. And hear the word of the Lord say, you are a holy vessel committed unto God, anointed by the Holy Spirit, which is pure and holy. So we understand. What did Peter do? Peter said, I'm big enough. I wear my own pants around here. I'm going to be the only one that's going to follow the Lord or follow Jesus. He followed the high priest in the court heart, Yord. He was warned by the company of unbelievers. A woman said, are you one of the disciples? He said, not me. I don't know the man. What? He was out from under the umbrella of covering. He was out from under the blessing of God at that point in time. What? following his own desire. He's out from under that protection. Let me give you a scripture, Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Proverbs 4, 14, do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil men. Keep your focus, don't stray. And if you're to succeed with a bright future, you're going to have to have a positive arena of positive strength. I, my strength is in the Lord. When I am weak, he is strong. A, a position of strength is determined by its ability to withstand a challenge bent on destruction. Number two, guard your heart. Say it with me. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard it. Stay on focus, a position of strength, but then guard your heart. 1 Kings eleven nine. 9, the Lord became angry with Solomon. I don't want God angry at me. Because, because why? His heart had turned away from the Lord. The God of Israel, who had appeared to him 
twice. Twice. This is the indictment against Solomon. You've turned away from the Lord. Why? You didn't listen. You didn't pay attention. Someone has said, if you run with the dogs, you're going to smell like a dog. Ain't none of us big enough to run with the devil's crowd and think we're going to win. And if you get in the midst of the devil's crowd, you better know you have an anointing divinely placed you by the perfect will of God. Wow. You see, he will destroy us. That's the desire of the enemy. What? 1 Peter 5, 8. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. How, how does that happen? It's like, I'm coming after you. You know, it starts as a little thing as an attitude. Your attitude is not holy. Your attitude stinks. Well, you give yourself permission to have a bad attitude. Wrong. Or you get to the place that you're critical. Every word that comes out of your mouth is critical. And you say, well, the way that I've been hurt, I ought to be able to express my feelings. Take it to Jesus. Quit being critical. You're supposed to love God and your neighbor. And then not only that, resentment. Resentment can grow into pure hate. Hate will destroy you. It becomes that of a witchcraft. And it's really wicked and evil. And often the roaring lion does not come roaring after you. But here's what will happen. You lose your focus from a position of strength and your heart begins to load up on things like that. It won't be long. And you, my friend, will not be the kind of person God can use in propagating the gospel of Christ Jesus. Amen? John 13, 2 the evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. What does that mean? It meant before the actual betrayal, Judas's heart had already been toyed with by the enemy. In other words, the manifestation of walking outside into the arena without protection starts way back here. And without any, without any knowledge, you get used to it, used to it, and before you know it, here you are. And God says, wake up. I've told you once, Solomon, wake up. So Solomon loved his wife. His passion for God began to be shared. You can't share the passion with God with anything. God will not abide in a heart that desires to have the enemy control. God will say to you, it's all or nothing. You either love me with your heart, soul, mind, all of your strength. Or he said, nothing, nothing. I will not compromise my sacred holiness to accommodate you. And so what does Solomon say? I got wives, I just need one more. Now just one more. And they brought him momentary pleasure, sure, all the stress. I'm under leading this kingdom. I, I need a stress reliever. Send me another woman. As a matter of fact, let's have a lottery to see which one comes next. He built temples. 
To where you know why? They kept clawing at him and intimate times will say, we need a temple. The Midianites need a temple to worship their God. The Amalekites, they need a temple to worship their God. Come on, Solomon, baby, build us a temple. You got money in the bank. Solomon says, okay, I've got the Lord's temple built, but i tell you what, behind that, I'll give you a Midianite temple. I'll give you another God, Amorite's temple. I'll give you so that, so that y'all won't have to come to me and cry during our time of intimacy because I've supplied you with the temples of your God. God said, you stink. You stink. After all I've done, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow dim in the light of his glory and grace. Listen, onliners, keep God first. Listen, Victory Church, keep God first. Proverbs 4, 23, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. I have a quote here, whoever rules your heart owns you. Whoever owns you, they rule your heart as well. If a person fails to guard his heart, he falls from a position of strength. And before you know it, the enemy has paraded suddenly into that person and they began to walk away very quietly and gently from the anointing of God. Romans 8, 27, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance to God's will. So the Spirit will deal with you, conviction will fall upon you, and an anointing will be upon you if you remain steadfast. No one is the gatekeeper of your heart except you, and God will help if he's allowed to finally. Finally, judgment follows disobedience. How many has ever had a little judgment? Let me say it again. Because only a few of you raised your hands. How many's ever experienced a little bit of judgment? Yep, yep. A little bit of judgment. When I was being raised as a kid, as a teenager, I I received judgment a lot. My sister, about a year younger than I was always had a loud tattletale mouth. She's watching right now. She told everything. It seemed like she was everywhere. She and I, we were in the same grade, in the first grade. In the first grade, I skipped school. Told a lie because I, I didn't like nap time. I didn't like lay down there. I got too many things to do as a first grader. <laughs> then lay down there and, and get asleep. I tried faking it every day. Didn't work. It's not nap time for me. So I concocted 
I need to go to the dentist. It worked. My teacher said, oh, you do? Good. What time do you have to go? 12.30. Matter of fact, my mother picked me up right at the end of lunch. She's going to pick me up down at the intersection of the boulevard in U.S. 17. Okay, go. What I'm wondering, because I never had a new bicycle, is that the kid across the street from the school had gotten a new bicycle. And I thought, I'm going to go try it out. And so I got out of school and I left. And I went and got his bicycle. He was in school. He didn't need it. <laughs> and I gave it a spin. After about 20 minutes, I thought, okay, I've had enough of this one. I parked it and went back. My teacher said, you're back so soon. That was where I made a mistake. I didn't stay gone long enough. I didn't say I was perfect. And I wondered why my teacher said, Wayne, you stay here at the end of school. And she walked out to my mother's car. Did you pick Wayne up today to go to the dentist? What? No, I didn't. Well, he left school. What? He left school. Said he had to go to the dentist. But he was only gone about 20 minutes. And I knew that a dentist took longer. I got in the car and my mom was quiet. Except these words. Your dad is going to have a little talk with you when he gets home. And it wasn't. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about your troubles. It was. I heard that you left school today without permission. How was your dental appointment? I thought, well, it's getting worse. Woolen. He says, come here. He took me by the arm as he always did and took his belt off. And I like to get beat and dance at the same time. <laughs> so he would beat and I would run and he would turn. If we were made, we could have made butter, I'm telling you. <laughs> I turn and that's, that's how I got dealt with. That was judgment. Hello? That was judgment. But you know, God does more than that. Ha. So the Lord said to Solomon, since it's your attitude and you've not kept the covenant, not commandment, but the covenant and my decrees which I command you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Solomon stepped out of a position of strength, his heart weakened by compromising the truth. Solomon's attitude is, it doesn't really matter. 
He disobeyed God's word and the truth and broke the covenant. And God said, now judgment is coming. It's here. Now I'm grateful. Let's try this on. I'm grateful that God has not chosen to judge us every time we make a mistake. Somebody shout amen. amen. Why? Because he has given us grace and he gives us mercy. Grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. Because I'm here to tell you that if God just judged us every time we make a mistake, bruises would be on us like permanent tattoos. And so what happened is because it was a covenant thing, then God said, I'm going to tear, I'm going to rip the kingdom. And he did. It wasn't 50-50 down the middle. It was, hey, there may be two that's going to stay under the leadership of, of the Jew, but, but 10 of them are going to be ripped away. And so Paul writes in Colossians, set your mind on things above and, and not on earthly things. Put to death, therefore, what it belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. So you look at culture today out there, turning their back on God, not believing church is important, always finding something else to do on the Lord's day. And God's just sitting back and say, one day, judgment's coming. And how are you going to escape that judgment? Through the rapture of the church and a heart that is obedient to God. Amen? A heart that's obedient to God. So we understand that. And so Romans 1.24, Therefore God gave them over to sinful desires of their hearts, the impurities for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Would you stand? They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. You know what? God will give you... Um, He'll let you do anything you want to do. Do you know that? He will. You're, you're a free agent, a free moral agent. You are. You're a free moral agent. You can turn your back on God and do whatever you want to do. God says, okay, that's, that's the way you play the game. Yeah. But that doesn't please God. And when you move from a position of strength, the enemy will always find a way to come at you in your weakened condition. What happened? Peter's warming his hands by the fire and it was just a little girl that says, aren't you one of, aren't you one of the disciples? And you know what he did? Even to a girl, little girl, no. Why? Because he was out from under the umbrella of obedience for God. Now you might be in here, some of you online, listen carefully, you feel conviction. Some of you in this room, we all feel conviction. But the best way to get rid of conviction is to humble yourself, Amen. admit your sin, and let him forgive you. Amen? Amen? So let's pray this prayer. Repeat it after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. And I thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, forgive me. Lord Jesus, forgive me. I have sinned. I have sinned. I've made mistakes. I've made mistakes. But today, but 
But today, I humble my heart. I humble my heart. And I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you to forgive me. So replace in me. So replace in a me pure heart. A pure heart. Give me strength. Give me strength in my weakness. In my weakness to do your perfect will. To do your perfect will. I pray this in Jesus' name. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's what, we're gonna have a little worship. We all prayed that prayer, but some of you need to slip down here because the conviction is really strong in you. Some of you, and I feel like the Lord's saying this, the reason you're suffering physically is because of disobedience that you have repented of. And today is the day to repent. And watch what God will do as it relates to some of the challenges you've been facing. I'm not saying that as a massive blanket statement, but for some of you, listen to that statement and let God direct you. So as we sing here in a moment, those of you who say, I need to get out of that altar, you come on down. Others of you say, I don't have to run off anywhere. I'm just going to sit and enjoy the worship for a few minutes. And others of you, you, you're going to slip out and you're going to have to move out. You got kids and other things that you need to do. You're welcome to do that. Don't forget, don't forget the table for the fine arts and don't forget the women's table and don't forget to say hello to some of us that will be out there saying hello to you if you're visiting. Now, Father, grant blessing and favor in this congregation Holy Spirit of God, thank you for the anointing we felt in worship today. But Lord, let that anointing rest on all of us and guide us in the name of Jesus. We need your favor and we need healing. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. God bless you. I love you, everybody.